Last week, we began a study in the letter of 2 Peter, and we learned that we have everything that we need to participate in godliness, and what a privilege it is to have God provide for us all that we need to have righteousness and to live rightly in this world that's around us. This morning, I want to begin the message as we take a look at another issue that Peter was bringing to the people's attention. I want to talk to you a little bit about urgency and I want to talk to you about hurry. Uh, I am a firm believer in what John Ortberg wrote in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, that we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. The problem with hurry is, is it's when we don't fully realize that it was God who made us as a finite human being with 24 hours a day and then seven days a week. And then not only that, but he, we need to take seven to eight, maybe even nine for some of you hours of each of those days and give it to rest and we don't have it to use for anything that we want to do. And so we hurry from one place to another. We hurry when we drive. We hurry when we read. We hurry when we eat so that we can get to the next thing that we need to do. Uh, some of us still haven't realized that we can't be two places at one time. So we schedule too much into our lives. And we have to hurry from one thing to the other. And God has wanted us to embrace our finiteness and to do those things that need to be done and not worry about the rest. And anxiety comes from being in a hurry all the time. Danger comes from being in a hurry all the time. But there is also the sense of urgency, and urgency is a very legitimate thing. I can think of some of those things in my life that have uh, caused a sense of urgency. Uh, maybe you've, have you ever bought an ice cream cone on a July night in the middle of summer, and then you realize that when you began to eat it, that you have to eat it a little bit faster than you might have in some other time of the year. That's a sense of urgency and it's legitimate or you're gonna have ice cream all over the place. And there's many more serious examples of what urgency is all about. I can remember times as my kids were growing up when uh, they needed to be taken to the emergency room because of some accident that happened or something that ha happened in their lives. And you knew that you needed to get there and urgency is legitimate. And that's what we're taking a look at this morning in this section of Second Peter beginning with verse 11 of chapter 1. We're learning that Peter had a sense of urgency with what he was telling the people. That urgency was born of two things. One, the people were in a time of trouble. The people that Peter was writing to in both the first epistle and the second epistle had known persecution from the Roman Empire of a major degree. They had lost their jobs. They had had to move from their homelands. They had been on the run and they were scattered as refugees throughout the land of Asia Minor. And we may think that we've been troubled enough by the pandemic that has come upon us and you know how it weighs on your heart daily and in the things that you do, but can you imagine losing your job, losing your home, having to move away from family because you've been persecuted for your faith in Jesus Christ? And then on top of all of that, Peter had been given a prophecy from the Lord Jesus that he would soon be leaving this earth and that his time was short. And I don't know about you, but I've often wondered that as time gets shorter and I've gotten a little bit older, what is it that I want to accomplish in the time that's left? What is it I want to say to people? What is it I want to do? As a matter of fact, the very reason that I have chosen Second Peter to preach on in this final um, month of my pulpit ministry here is because it's things that I want you to be made aware of, things that I want you to have written on your heart. 
And so in times of trouble and in times of transition, we need to know what it is we're going to do. And Peter has given us a roadmap to understand what it is that we've got to have in our mind. And we need to find out this this morning more than anything else, that we need to trust in God's word in times of trouble, in times of transition. When that sense of urgency comes upon us for legitimate reasons, I'm not talking about hurry. You've got to get hurry out of your life. But there is a sense of urgency about the gospel of Jesus Christ because people's eternal destiny hangs in the balance. We need to trust in God in times of transition and times of trouble. And that's what we're experiencing here at Gateway Church. That's what we're experiencing in our nation. And the first thing that we find in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 11, is, is that urgency needs direction. I can remember when I first moved here to Long Island, and I've shared this story with you before. Uh, in the early months of my time here, I was making a left-hand turn on the Hempstead Turnpike right in front of what is now CVS Drugstore. And as I was waiting there, this older gentleman began to run across the street in a shuffle, and he was hit by a car going about 35, 40 miles an hour. He flew up in the air, and he landed right by the door of my car. And as I got out of the car, all of my training as a Boy Scout and all of my training as a water safety instructor and all the things that I'd ever done in life, I'm there looking at this man injured and broken and bleeding from every possible place. What am I supposed to do? I had a sense of urgency, but I didn't know what the direction was that I needed to head. Very fortunately, a nurse was on her way home from Nassau Medical Center, and she stopped, and she gathered a group around, and she said, here, you put your hands on this pressure point here, and you put your hands over here. And she directed what was going on until the ambulance came and was able to take over from what we were doing. But urgency needs a sense of direction. Otherwise, we're running around like chickens with our head cut off, just trying to do everything possible and making that known. And so what is it that's the direction for Gateway Church at this time? What is it that is the direction that we're supposed to be going? And so Peter puts it this way. I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. So what is it that Peter wanted him to remember? He wanted him to remember, first of all, what we talked about last week, that they had everything that they needed for the purpose of godliness. I don't know about you, but whenever I've lost somebody in my life, I've always thought, oh no, what am I going to do now because they did this for me or they were that part of the church ministry. And through the years, we've lost prayer warriors and we've lost people that have gone away, and every time I'm asking myself, who's going to do what? And Peter is telling these people that when the apostles pass off the scene, there is no need to worry because they've been given everything that they possibly need for the, for the life of godliness that they're supposed to live. And we need to have that understanding in our hearts, and that's what Peter wanted to remind them of, that they had everything that they needed. But the second thing is, is that looking forward, they would find the direction that they needed in the very place that they found the salvation message of Jesus Christ, they were going to find it in the word of God and the prophecies that were made more sure. So Peter said that in this time of urgency, knowing that I have just a little bit of time left before my death, 
and Peter would soon die in the Neronian persecutions, uh, most likely from the traditions that we know, even though scriptures don't catalog his death, that he died crucified on a cross and that his request was that he be crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same manner as the Lord Jesus. But he said, knowing that my time is short, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. And I need to tell you this, that my burden for this church is, is that we would always be a church of the word of God. And I am so grateful that as we started to look at the possibility of transitioning to another senior pastor, that we have one that loves the word. We have one that is willing to preach the word. And we have one that is willing to live the word of God. I always want you to remember these things, that our salvation comes from the word and it doesn't come from the stories of man and it doesn't come from the will of mankind. And so it is that I want to remind you of this truth and that's where we're going to find the direction in a sense of urgency. It's also a time of transition for us and we're going to be looking for direction and we find it in the word. I want you to remember we have everything that we need for the purpose of life and godliness. And for any direction that we need to go, we need to look to his word for direction. Urgency needs direction or we flounder. Urgency needs this kind of help. The second thing that we find in this passage of scripture is, is that direction needs truth. Uh, and this is a profound thing because the world is confused about truth right now. The United States is confused about truth. They're confused about truth when it comes to sexual morality. They're confused about truth, about what really matters in life. And they're telling you that the gospel is of no need for you, but all you have to do is just live a good life and be a good person. But direction needs truth. It doesn't do us any good if we die and we stand before God and we don't know the truth that will bring us eternal salvation. It doesn't do us any good if we believed the wrong thing and then God expects of us something else as our creator and as our Lord and as our savior. And so listen to what Peter says about what he taught the people of his day and his time. He says, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And the thing that interests me is, is that Peter made this de declaration and he believed it and we need to understand that these weren't cleverly devised stories. I'm amazed that people that study the word of God in liberal theological seminaries and preach it from liberal pulpits are willing to tell you that the Bible is full of myths and it's full of legends. But when it comes to the purpose of life and when it comes to the need for direction and the sense of urgency that we have about life, we don't need stories that are made up by men. We don't need cleverly devised tales, tales and stories. And trust me, the creative mind that God gave to man can invent the most wonderful stories. I love books. I love literature. I love a good story. And mankind can make up some great stuff. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. I love the Lord of the Rings and the story that is laid out before us. I love the stories that capture your heart and bring you into it all. And, and man's creative mind can do all of this. But when it comes to eternity, I don't need to believe in myths and fables. I want the truth. 
when it comes to the meaning of life and when it comes to what's going to happen to me when I die. I don't need somebody making something up. I want the truth and direction that is born of urgency needs truth. It would have been no good if somebody came by when I was with that dying man who eventually lost his life and they began to give me information that was totally worthless and told me to do things that would be of no help to them. We needed truth and we needed things that would make a difference. And so it is, Peter declares, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't made up stuff. When we told you about Jesus appearing on the Mount of Transfiguration in all of his glory, we heard the voice from heaven. John testified to it. Matthew testified to what he had heard, the story from John, Peter, and James. Peter testified to it. We ourselves heard this voice that came to heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. So when you read the scriptures, don't sit there and think that God is not capable of doing the things that you read about. We're about ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And from a human standpoint, you shake your head and you say, how is that even possible? I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. But if God could create this world around us, God could raise Jesus from the dead. If God could create the world around us in the universe that we now our eyes are being opened to just how vast and how great it is, you need to know that God is able to do any of the miracles that the scriptures have told us. We don't need cleverly invented stories. We don't need to make up stuff about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to believe in the truth. And John, uh, Peter is going to make the point as he continues on in his letter, and we're going to deal with this in one of our messages, that Jesus says he's going to come again, and he's going to bring justice, and he's going to be making this whole universe new again. It's not a cleverly devised story. We believe that because of what we've seen in the past. And we've seen what God can do. But Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father. And Peter, James, and John testified to it that day when they were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Direction needs truth. And so when you tell people what really matters in life, where are you going to go for your source of information? What is it you're going to tell them? Uh, there's a number of us in this church that are getting a little bit older day by day. We know that death's going to be closing in on us a little bit faster than maybe we thought a few years ago or a decade ago. What are we going to do with the rest of our time? Uh, I'm in the process of getting ready to wonder what retirement's all about, and Kathy and I are asking the question, God, how do you want to use us in the time that we have left? How do you want to use us in the lives of our children and our grandchildren? How do you want to use us in the life of the church of Jesus Christ? How can we be a valuable part of anything that God wants to do in the time that's left? And I'm going to go to the Word of God to find that answer. I don't need cleverly invented stories, but I need the truth about Jesus that I find in the Word. The third thing that we find in this letter, in this section, is that if we're going to trust in God's word in times of trouble, urgency needs direction. Direction needs truth. Truth is found in the word of God. And so we find in verse 19, it says this, that we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, 
as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter gives us an incredible insight into what the Word of God is all about, what it is that makes it what it is. We read the Word of God and, and we wonder, what is this story that is being handed to us from the church and from the nation of Israel? It's a collection of writings of men throughout the ages, over 2,000 years and from every walk of life. And what are we supposed to make of it and what are we supposed to do of it? And Peter gives us a little bit of the purpose of the Word and a little bit of the origin of the Word. But he says, first of all, that we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and we would do well to pay attention to it. It's like a light shining in a dark place, and we will need it until the morning star rises in our hearts and God brings the renewed glory to our lives in eternity. And do you see the light of the word of God shining in a dark place? I remember as a young man at the age of 17 when I was trying to make my way through life, God revealed to me, that all the choices that I was making in life to seek pleasure and to seek the things of this earth and the stuff of the earth, it was all going to lead me to a dark place. And the light shined upon it that Jesus would forgive me of my sins. Jesus would show me the way to live and I would follow his word and be a part of that for the rest of my life. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in my heart, I needed the light to shine in a dark place because I was on my way to destruction. Why would Peter say that he saw the word of the prophets made more sure? It's because every time he thought back on the life of Jesus and he reviewed the scriptures that he had been taught from the time he was a child by the Hebrew scribes and teachers of his day, he realized that whether it was Micah chapter 5 revealing the very place of Jesus' birth or whether it was Isaiah 53 revealing the means of Jesus' death, that hundreds of times the scriptures in detail showed the life of Jesus and how it was going to make its way to bringing salvation to mankind. And Peter said, now we have the word of the prophets made more certain. Look at the life of Jesus and look at the prophets of the Old Testament. Look at the life of Jesus and look at the law of the Old Testament and you will see that the word of God is more sure than you could ever imagine and that you could ever hope for. And it needs to be a light shining in your life. It needs to be a light shining in your heart. But the second thing Peter tells us is, is not only does it need to be a light shining in a dark place, but we must understand that the scriptures that were written by men is the very word of God. Uh, we don't know why God chose to do it this way, but I've learned in life that when you meet somebody and you get to know them, you don't start telling them who you think they should be. You start accepting them for who they are, and Jesus and his Father in heaven revealed themselves through the word, and they chose to use the written words of human beings. And this partnership between God and man was intended from the time in the garden. God created mankind, and he wanted there to be a working together, a synergy between the two. And so he gave Adam and Eve tasks to do. They needed to name the animals, and they needed to rule over the, the garden and over the earth that God had created. But God would come walking in the cool of the day with them and fellowship with them. And I have a feeling that God was asking them questions and finding out how they were doing and, and interacting with them. 
And so it is with the word of God. He chose men to reveal the truth of the scriptures. But it wasn't to be just the word of men, but these words that were written by the hands of men and had come through the minds of men. No prophecy had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Just as the Apostle Paul told us in his letters to Timothy, that all scripture is inspired by God. It's been breathed out by him, written by man, but breathed out by God. Above all, you must understand. And so we have the word of God, the scriptures that we read. And so I'm happy for all of you that are choosing to read through the Bible with us this year. I trust that it's going to be a fruitful venture for you. But it's for this very reason that we preach it on Sunday mornings. It's for this very reason we use it at every meeting that we gather for. It's why we encourage you to have a devotional time where you sit down with God's word and ask God, what is it you want me to do with your word today? So we live in a time of trouble and also a time of transition. Gateway Church is definitely in a time of transition and it breeds a sense of urgency, a legitimate sense of urgency. What is the direction we're going to head and where are we going to find that direction? We need to find it in the Word of God because the direction needs truth. And we're not going to find the truth anywhere better than in the Word of God. It tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. It tells us that we've been given everything that we need for life and godliness. It tells us that God created the earth that Jesus saved us with his shed blood, that he's going to return again and bring justice and renewal to his kingdom. So what is it that you want to have a part of? Do you want to have a part of the things of man or do you want to have a part of the things of God? If you have a sense of urgency with all the trouble of this last year, with the pandemic, with the social unrest, with the political division and divide and all of that, where is it you're going to seek your guidance and where are you going to find hope? Will you find it in the scriptures that have been breathed out by God, men carried along by the Spirit of God? In times of trouble and in times of transition, we need to trust in God's word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of taking a look at this passage of scripture this morning. And Father, I, don't fear, I, I fear that at times we just don't trust you and the words that you've given us. And I pray, Father, that this morning we would set aside our hearts to be followers of your word. I pray, Father, that we would be those that would seek our direction in times of urgency in your word. And I pray that we would find it a word made more sure, that we would look at the life of Jesus and the fulfillment of prophecy, that we would look at the teaching of Peter, and we would look at the need that we have around us, and we'd say, I need your word. I need to follow it. I need to obey it. I need to live it. Thank you, Father, for giving it to us. Thank you for making it so available to us and the many versions and translations and all that we have. I pray, Father, that we would use it, that we would study it, that we would meditate upon it, and that we would obey it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.